Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. Please stand if you're able and listen to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the men, I tell you, get up, take your mat, go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in the full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. May God bless both the reading, hearing and understanding of his word. Amen. I'm gonna encourage you to have your bulletins handy. You do have scripture passages and questions to reflect on throughout the week. However, you also have a couple of spots in there where you can take notes. Uh, And so I encourage you to do that so that as the Spirit speaks to you this morning, you can write those down so that you would remember those uh, later on this week. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, God, we have come striving to hear your word and to understand your meaning for us today. And so God, I ask that the words that I speak would no longer be my own, but that they would be your words for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So welcome to the second Sunday of Lent uh, during our worship series as we focus on the way, walking in the footsteps of Jesus. See, this is that series that we're going to focus on what it means to become more Christ-like, to live a life more like Christ every day. And so last week we looked at how Christ's baptism and temptations can help us in our lives, that baptism marks the initiation into the church and into the ministry that God has called each and every one of you to. And how Jesus' temptations, actually, as we look at this, give us insight into how we approach our own temptations, because we are all tempted, are we not? 
We all have these temptations. Uh, But we look at this, how we approach those, in the fact that we have a high priest in Jesus who is tempted in every way, every way that we are, but yet without sin. And so today we're going to look at the healing ministry of Jesus and what this says about living a Christ-like life. And so here's what I would like to, to take away. Yesterday, or last week, I gave you two things. And you notice I'm giving you these right up front. And so this time, I want to give you three. Three things to take away. The first one, we should become more Christ-like by showing compassion, loving all people, showing value for others, and advocate for those who can't for themselves. That's a big one. But that's number one. Number two, we, all of us here, are called to be instruments of healing. And three, we should be a stretcher bearer. A little more about that later. So as we begin, let's take a look at a couple of questions. Who did Jesus heal and why did Jesus heal? Uh, Because there is so much that we can learn by simply looking at these two questions. So... Why did Jesus heal? I mean, Jesus healed many. He healed little girls. He healed young men, middle-aged women, even people who were dead. Jesus healed Jews and Gentiles alike. Jesus healed lepers and paralytics, mutes, and those who were blind and deaf, and certainly those who were suffering from mental illness. But Jesus also healed a centurion's servant, Peter's mother-in-law, Jairus' daughter, Bartimaeus, the servant of a high priest, and Lazarus. But you see, even with this list, this big list, and the many that are not on the list, we must also acknowledge that he also healed you and me. Jesus offers physical healing, emotional healing, and spiritual healing. All of it. Jesus healed so many that are listed in the scriptures, but there are so many others that were not named. Those who received new life in Christ, who have turned from their sinful ways and repented. Those who have received, those have received healing spiritual healing in that new life. The impact from Jesus' healing ministry was felt all over the ancient Near East, and it will continue to be felt to the end of time. It's felt here. We can easily see it, Journey of Hope, the healing that has come, the new life that has come as we celebrate. So now that we have this exhausted list of of who Jesus healed, which we could probably all just agree that Jesus heals everyone, we should ask the other question. Why? Why did Jesus heal? What was the point of the healings? And I think that we should use this 
The same two-word phrase that I have mentioned here before, uh, you might remember that, that I think what he said when, when we pray, that we would pray for certain things, that we would always finish that particular line or thought of the prayer with, with these two words, so that, so that. I see nods, I see smiles, so some people remember these words. We can use this same phrase to look at the reasons why Jesus performed healings. Jesus healed so that those who were healed would believe in him. So that they would follow him. So that they would become a disciple. And so that they would testify to the change in their lives. So that they would become a witness proclaiming the good news of the gospel. So that when you say your prayers of healing, when you say your prayers of of needing something in your life, of, of looking for God to provide anything, do you use those words, so that? We'll go hyperbole, because we can talk about a, a particular pastor who wanted to have a, a jet airplane. I do not want a jet airplane. <laughs> but, I, you know, so you use those words. God, provide me with a plane so that I may proclaim the gospel in different places. I think there's other ways of getting there. <laughs> uh, but do you use that so that? God, I am looking for healing so that I can continue on this calling that you have in my life. I encourage you to do that. All of this and so that. All of this would certainly be true, but I think the number one reason why Jesus healed these people was because he loved them. He loved them. He didn't like seeing people in pain, hurting, depressed, or lost. God does not want to see us hurting in pain or lost. You see, I believe that God hurts with us. That God feels this. That he is grieved when we are grieved. And he cries with us. Because God loves us too. Every one of us. So as we walk in Jesus' footsteps during our Lenten journey, we see that that in this healing ministry that there are many people from many different walks of life, many different backgrounds, yet all were treated the same by Jesus. Well, maybe not the Pharisees, the Sadducees, but then again, we could argue that he did. Jesus shows compassion on those he encountered, some of whom had not had compassion demonstrated to them ever before. Many of those were on the fringes of society. Many of those would be people that we might walk down the other side of the road to avoid. I'm reminded about that parable of the Good Samaritan, about the, uh, the priest and the Levite who walked down the opposite side of the road to stay away, but yet the Samaritan walked and helped. Jesus didn't care who the people were. He wanted to love all people. All people. 
In fact, it seemed that the further they were on the outer fringes of society, the better. Many times our society has looked down on those who are mentally and physically disabled, those who have addictions, those who are homeless, those who have chronic illnesses or emotionally troubled. Jesus shows how we are to treat them. He even tells us, Matthew 25, 40, that, that whatever we do unto the least of these, we have done it unto him. He tells us what we are to do. Jesus loved all people. Not just those who could not just those who could offer resources or power or prestige. He loved them all. Even those who had absolutely nothing to offer but their lives. As I said, Jesus loved Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, male and female, natives and refugees, members and non-members. There was no dividing line in Jesus' view. No one was excluded. Everyone is welcome. We mention this in our celebrations of Holy Communion as we state that the United Methodist tradition, that the table is open to all people regardless of who they are. All people are welcome at Christ's table because I always tell you this, and I'll tell you it again here real soon, that this is not my table and it is not your table. It is God's table. Jesus showed value to those who he healed. These are people who would probably not be given much time by anyone in society until Jesus came by. He healed a, a man on the Sabbath, raising questions from the church leaders. But Jesus showed that this life was worth more than following a bunch of rules. This man's life mattered. And then there was a time when Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. You might remember the story. It would seem that this was a pretty big deal since it was Jairus' daughter that he should have made a really quick journey right to Jairus' house. But as he's walking through a large crowd, a woman touches the hem of his cloak. A woman who had suffered bleeding for 12 years touches Jesus and is immediately healed. But instead of rushing on through the crowd, Jesus stops and looks for this person who touched him. You see, he stops and he shows that this woman's life mattered. That she had sacred worth. Are we showing people that they matter? Through all of these healings, Jesus is showing compassion. He is loving them. He's showing them that they have value in his eyes, and he is also advocating for them. So here in our Lenten journey, where we are talking about being a little more Christ-like each and every day in our lives, we wonder, how do we do this? How do we do this in light of all of this? Well, if we are to be more Christ-like, we should have compassion for others, especially those that are on the fringes of society, the marginalized among us. We should be looking for ways to help others, to help one another. We should love all people and show them that they have value. The way we can do this 
sharing our resources. I just mentioned that wonderful word that somebody went, what? Metadidomai, that we share our resources. We can give of ourselves, of our time, of our money, our prayers. We can offer that. We can spend some time talking with someone today who just seems to be having a rough day. Is there somebody sitting next to you, to your left or your right, that may be having a rough time? That maybe you should have a a conversation? We can offer to pray for people, to listen to them, to advocate for them, to speak up when we see injustices, to stand up and encourage when it is needed. This is what it means to be more like Christ. But there's more. I feel like one of those commercials. But wait, there's more. We are called to be healers. Now you might go, whoa, hang on. We're called to be healers? Yes, each and every one of you are called to be healers. So if I could look into everyone's eyes, I'd do that, but I'm just glancing across. But all of you are called to be healers. John 14, 12 tells us, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Jesus has come and done great things through his healings. We will do greater things. We are given the power of the Holy Spirit to participate in all of these healings. Whether it be physical through doctors and nurses and medicine or emotional through just listening and conversations. Or maybe spiritual through participating in God's salvation plan for this world. We are called to be instruments of God's healing. But now understand this. We aren't the ones who are doing the healing. That is a big key. We aren't the ones doing the healing. We are, through the power of the Holy Spirit, participating in the healing. We are allowing God to use us to facilitate that healing. And so I encourage you to be the vessel that God uses today to bring healing to someone's life. Pray that God will bring that person into your life. Place them maybe in your path later today. Or maybe bring a name to mind so that you can participate in the miraculous healing that God wants you to give. Now, it may not be physical, but it could be. But it may be social, emotional, or just an opportunity to bring them into the very presence of God for spiritual healing. Be the person who listens to God's call to help others. So Adam Hamilton talks about a term that they use quite a bit at the Church of the Resurrection, and that is stretcher bearers. Stretcher bearers. And this actually comes right from our scripture passage today. This is the story of the paralyzed man who was healed after his four friends dug a hole in the middle of a roof and lowered him in front of Jesus. This man could not make it to see Jesus, but his friends made sure that he did. So I'm going to ask you a question here, maybe a series of them. Who do you know that needs a stretcher bearer? Because I think if you reflect long enough, you have a name. In fact, I I will say that God is probably bringing a name to you right now. 
of somebody who needs a stretcher bearer? Who needs your help to receive healing? Who needs your help in reconnecting with their relationship with Jesus Christ? You got some space in your bulletin. You got lines in there that you can write a name down. And so I would love for you in your compass guides or in your notes that you would take and write down a name or two, that name that you are thinking of right now. I mean, it may be a family member. It may be a friend. Somebody who either needs to know who Jesus is or maybe just needs to reignite the fire that they once had in their relationship with him. Pray for them. Send them a note. Give them a call. Set up a time to have coffee. Just be in contact with them and allow God to use you as a vessel for healing and reconciliation. Allow God. Now, what I mean by this is get out of God's way. There's a lot of times that I end up putting myself right in the way. Amazing things happen when you get out of God's way. And you just say, God, use me. I'm here. I'm here to do whatever you would love me to do. So just let me do something for you. Here are my hands. Take them and use me. And God will guide you. God will give you words to speak. God will give you actions to do at just the right time. Just be open for that. It might be scary. In fact, it probably is scary. (laughs) You're probably thinking, I can't do this, God. But Paul does tell us that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And so let us continue to be more Christ-like as we travel through this journey of Lent. Let us truly show compassion and love and value to all of those around us. And finally, let us be stretcher bearers. Let us be instruments of God's healing. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, there are times we hear messages that that sometimes scare us, that push us outside of our comfort zone and ask us to do things that we may not be, feel like we are ready for. God, remind us that we are ready. Remind us that you give us the power to do all things. And so God, I ask that, that the names that you have brought to our minds, that you would encourage each and every one of us here to make a call to drop a note, to just pray for them so that we may see you working in their lives. That we may see your healing for all of us. God, thank you for this message and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we get ready to go forth from this place, go forth knowing that that we are called to be more like Christ each and every day. And what that means for us after we listen today and take that all in is, is that we are to be agents of change. We are to be agents of healing for all of those around us. And so I do hope that you remember that name that God planted in your heart so that you may go out and make contact, that you may call, that you may pray, that you may send a message somehow to them and figure out a way to bring healing to their life, to allow God to work through you. As I now go, 
knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you, and it goes with you always. Amen.